It's a new day and time for another NCEA podcast. Before we can begin, try and guess which diocese our guests are from today. Yes, I said diocese. There are two. Here are your hints. Both dioceses are in states in the southeast region of our country and are both relatively small and similar in size. One diocese is in Tennessee with 15 schools, just under 5,000 students. It has been serving families in Western Tennessee for over 175 years. Its city is known as the home of the blues. The other in Kentucky has 16 schools and close to 3,500 students. This diocese was established in 1988 by Pope John Paul II and formed from parts of the Archdiocese of Louisville and the Archdiocese of Covington. It serves the horse capital of the world. Our guests may not know this, but their schools are six hours away from each other. Join me on a virtual tour to, you've probably guessed it by now, Memphis, Tennessee and Lexington, Kentucky, as we visit the Diocese of Memphis and the Diocese of Lexington. I'm Laura MacDonald and this is NCEA Podcast. Joining us today is Maggie Tobias, school counselor from St. Francis of Assisi Catholic School in the Diocese of Memphis, and Christine Gibson, school counselor from Christ the King in the Diocese of Lexington. Welcome, listeners, to Mrs. Tobias and Miss Gibson's offices. Welcome, you two. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thanks. Good to be here. <laughs> Did you know you two could meet halfway? I think it's Nashville where you could do your planning for now on together. <laughs> that would actually be very ideal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to go to Nashville, I want to come too. Let me know when we're planning. I will be there. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> Thank you, Maggie and Christine, for taking your time to be with us here today. You are my first Catholic school counselor podcast guest. So it's pretty well, special. We are honored. Yes, very honored. Thank you. So tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Who wants to start? Go ahead, oh, Maggie. Don't go once. Okay, I'll go ahead. Um, <laughs> so my name is Maggie Tobias. I am from Memphis. I am actually a product of the Catholic schools here in Memphis. I am married to my husband, Andrew, of almost four years. And we have a son who's almost one years old. He'll be one on Thanksgiving. Um, and I am a lifelong Catholic. I have attended and worked at several of the schools here in Memphis. I went to MTSU for my undergrad, and then I attended the University of Memphis for my master's in counseling. And I also, besides a school counselor, I also am a volleyball coach here at the school. So, Oh, very nice. Nice. Well, good to get to know you, Maggie. I'm Christine, and I am a mom of two, a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old. And this is my eighth year at Christ the King School as the counselor. Um, I've been married for 25 years, and I'm originally from Gary, Indiana, but we've been here in Lexington since, well, since before our son. So I'd say about 15 years here in Lexington. And if you've never been, I encourage everybody to come visit the horse capital of the world. <laughs> So let's get right to it. What influenced either of you to become a Catholic school counselor? I, um, I had incredible counselors in the Diocese of Memphis growing up, oh. and that didn't really 
hit me per se until I was in grad school and I was in one of my classes and the director of school counseling from the Diocese of Memphis came to speak to us. And she was my counselor at Holy Rosary when I was a kid. And so afterwards I just talked to her and she talked to me about there's ever an opportunity. She'd love to have me. And then I got to thinking more and more about how special it would be to be able to not only be a school counselor, which is what I was passionate about, but also with my faith too, that that would even be an option because in grad school, you're so focused on a lot of the public school things. Mm -hmm. And so that just really inspired me and helped me to pursue, you know, her when I was, when I was done with my degree to hopefully get a position. And I did here at St. Francis. So it was, it was her being there when I was younger and in one of my grad school classes. I think that speaks to all of us educators, counselors, principals, the students are watching and we have a great opportunity to encourage many of them to go on in our field. And and if anything, that's really important right now. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing that. What about you, Christine? Um, Kind of similar to Maggie. I was a high school and middle school English and French teacher, and I was getting my um, certification in school counseling just because I knew I wanted to do that because, you know, as a teacher, I I love my subject area, I guess, but really, you know, you're, (laughs) I guess, but really you're about the kids, you know, and then, you know, you see all these kids with different issues and you're thinking, man, you know, I I mean, adverbs are great and all, but it'd be kind of nice to work with you on, on, you know, what's really going on here in your life. And so that's why I want to be a counselor. And then the Catholic school counselor, that like Maggie said, it was kind of the the same. You could kind of meld. How can you help kids the best? Well, I mean, if you're if you're dealing with counseling issues, life issues from a faith based perspective, I mean, that's just like the best of both worlds, right? So you're taking like the the knowledge of social and emotional learning, and then you've got all your hope in in Christ and in your faith. I, I just feel like it's the most effective way to be a counselor. So I'm just so grateful it worked out, you know. You're able to connect the dots for our students, right. definitely between their faith and their emotional learning. So yeah. that's great. Yeah, it's just a real Thank blessing. You. So let's hear about your schools. Tell us a little bit about your schools. Well, I'm at St. Francis of Assisi Catholic School in technically Cordova, Tennessee, but we're in Memphis. We have a population of about 400 students. We serve full-time two-year-old program all the way through eighth grade. We have a large variety of students all from all over Memphis. We kind of, where we sit, we sit between like the city of Memphis and all of the different suburbs. So we just have a lot of different students that come. Our patron is, of course, St. Francis of Assisi. So we focus a lot on service and of course, animals. So we have our, our big annual event on his, we do a feast day, a big celebration on his feast day where we do a lot of service projects. We have a huge blessing of the pets. We usually get donkeys, horses, pigs, of course, dogs and cats and all of that too. But, <laughs> um, and so we just, we really kind of do St. Francis feast day pretty big here. And um, we're just, we're just a, you know, a, 
a Catholic school, we're on a really major road. So we have a lot of visibility, but then some people don't know about us. So I always find that interesting. We're on a pretty major road here in Memphis, but we're a huge family and anyone that comes here, we just kind of wrap you up and you're part of the St. Francis family. And we're just, we're just a, a great little school and um, I love it here. I plan on being here forever. So <laughs> how wonderful for your staff. And donkeys are there. That's that's fabulous. Who has a donkey at their school, right? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun to see what animals uh, come out every day for blessing of the pets. It's every year feels like it gets bigger and bigger. <laughs> that's awesome. What about you, Christine? That's fantastic. Um, I'm at Christ the King School, which is the cathedral school for the diocese. So we're about 500 kids. When you include all the babies and preschoolers we have, we have babies all the way up through eighth grade. Um, so we're the largest in Lexington. Lexington's not a real Catholic town, but um, we are the largest Catholic school, K through eight, you know, um, in Lexington. And it's an old school, a lot of families, the children, um, their parents went there, their grandparents, um, a lot of our teachers um, went to Christ the King School. So um, yeah, it's kind of like Maggie said, you just don't want to leave. So <laughs> it's a kind of a legacy thing going on. Counselor job descriptions vary from site to site, school to school, mm -hmm. day to day. What do your jobs look like at your school? Never the same. <laughs> never the same that is correct never the same day twice no never um I would say you know I always start my day with traffic duty so I stand out the spot where I'm in I wave to all the parents in the morning like hi have a great day <laughs> and wave them through and then pretty much I either come inside and I help a student or I check some emails or I go to a meeting or I teach a lesson or I'm con consulting with parents, returning phone calls. I'm consulting with teachers. I plan my class. I run small groups. I mean, it, you, when I leave, come in from traffic duty at eight o'clock, I could think I'm going to sit down and check mm -hmm. emails or a student needs me, or I'm called to the front office for something or, I have been encouraging students to tell me about good things in their life. So they'll come and say, Hey, I won my basketball game or they want to, you know, wave to me in the hallway or, you know, it just, it's never boring. This job is, it can be pretty intense at times, but it is absolutely never boring. And I love, I love to be involved and I love that the kids see me and the teachers see me as someone who likes to be involved, who wants to help, who wants to know what's going on in order to just help and just to be present. And I think that that is so important. It's just being present all over the school. We're a pretty, like, it's a very, it's a single story for the most part building, but it's very large. And so actually today I was looking at my watch and I hit 11,000 steps um, just today. So yes. you know, I'm going all over the school all the time, you know, checking on certain students or, you know, checking on if someone, you know, we know is not having a good day or, high-fiving kids for doing something awesome. It just, it really is just an awesome, it's an awesome, fun job. And I'm all over doing all the things and it's never boring. And that's what I truly love about it. That's great. What about you, Christine? Um, well, I have, so I teach the elementary students, uh, we call it guidance class. So I'll have every elementary class every week. 
Um, and then I'll have our middle schoolers for guidance class for a trimester at a time. So I plan those lessons and teach those lessons. And then, you know, you're just, it's kind of a lot of juggling, I guess. You're trying to see, like Maggie said, like students on the fly or students are having a bad day or students who are referred by teachers or I, certain students I see every day or certain students I see once a week. And I'm working with their therapists and their parents on a variety of issues. So um, I guess it's really invigorating and never boring. Um, it's kind of high energy. But then, like, it's easy on a Monday. <laughs> Today's Monday. It's easy to feel overwhelmed, too, because you're like, I don't think I can do all this. <laughs> but then, so I don't know. I think a certain amount of time, just like when I taught school um, in a class, as a classroom teacher, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of times you feel like you're just chalking up failures, you know, like, I didn't get to this student or I didn't get that or I, you know, how do I help this child? I'm not really sure how. So I just kind of have to talk myself down sometimes and say one thing at a time, one day at a time and pray that it all you can I, I pray that I can be effective and efficient that's like my daily prayer so speaking yeah. of prayer yeah how is your role or mission as a counselor different as a catholic school counselor you both kind of touched on that a little bit but um christine will you talk about that a little bit Yes, it occurred to me, and this is how I explain it to the middle schoolers, that in your religion class, um, I hope by now you all have learned <laughs> the greatest commandment. They asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, to love God above all things and love your neighbor as yourself. So I always tell the kids, like, your religion teacher is teaching you who God is and how to love God and how to serve God. And I'm your counselor, and we have class, and I try and teach you how to love yourself and love your neighbor. So together we've, we've got it all people. <laughs> so, you, you should, so we work on self-esteem and self-confidence and self-talk and then empathy and kindness and understanding. And I mean, practical things like how to say you're sorry, how to give a good apology, right? How to invite someone to play with you, what to do when someone doesn't want to play with you. And, um, you know, so we've done everything from collect plastic lids to make a buddy bench for kids who are lonely. So if someone's sitting there lonely, you know, you got to go get them. So how we love each other, how we love ourselves. And I hope we're having some success. Very nice. Um, you both mentioned teaching class. Um, I think this is an important part of your day and different from maybe counselors 10, 20 years ago. Um, do you find that providing direct instruction with your students has made a difference at your school site? I know, Christine, I think you've been doing it a little bit longer at your school than Maggie has. So let's talk about that. I'd like to think so. You know, when you have a student issue arise, a student to student issue, I feel like they know that they know better, you know, I you know that we talked about you know, <laughs> what empathy is. Yeah, yeah. They know better, yeah. yeah you're you shaking her head, definite yes. Yeah. And not that I'm going to come down hard on you, but you do know better. You, I, you know, how many lessons have we had on this? Or, um, yeah. So, and I try to, you know, a lot of things I think can be sort of headed off or avoided with a good knowledge base. And like, yeah, and we talk about, and even then, like for their own mental health, you know, so when a child's struggling with anxiety, well, we've talked about what anxiety is and how do you know when you need help? 
And how do you get help? And is it okay to get help? So these are the kind of things that I hope they take with them. You know, like I tell our eighth graders, you're going off, you're, you're leaving us, you're flying out of our nest. And I just want you to know, you know, certain things we have to cover. Like everybody has a hard time sometimes and everybody needs to ask for help sometimes. So I feel like I hope I'm laying the foundation for good um, mental health for them. And I, I think that giving us time together um, to cover these content that, you know, maybe I don't want to put down anybody's content and I don't want to put down any teacher's content, but I have sort of said that like as respectfully as I can, like if you didn't learn where to put the semicolon, you know, you maybe you could learn that, but I really need you to pay attention and learn, you know, warning signs of depression like this. You, you have to know this. We can't just right. go off and not know these things. So not that it's more important. I don't get anybody mad, <laughs> but it's sort of like life stuff. You need people. You really do. Even if you don't read Shakespeare's sonnets. Okay. That's okay. But some of this stuff you have to know. Well, hopefully working with them at the younger age and bringing on the foundational skill and knowledge will help. So when they do get to high school, they can focus on the semicolon and not have to focus on the other things going on in the classroom. (laughs) Maggie, do you want to add to that? How is it going for you? I think so. Typically in the past, I would meet with the students or with each grade uh, about once a month to six weeks, just depending on schedules. And so I still do that with the other fifth and below, but sixth, seventh and eighth grade, I really advocated this year to be with them once a week. I just didn't feel like with COVID and all the things that happened with that, that they, they just needed more. And I wanted to focus on them since they will be leaving us sooner. And I hope, you know, we're going to see how this year goes and what we can do for next year. But so far, since I'm almost a semester in, I definitely think it's making a difference, maybe not in all of the lessons I'm teaching, but in being able to just have more open conversation with them. I'm very much one of those uh, people that, okay, here's my topic for the day and we're going to talk about it. But if something comes up that's more important that you guys need to talk about, I'm always open to that. And they they laugh, but really no topic scares me unless it's something super theological. I'm like, okay, we got to get a priest in here. You know, I can't really, (laughs) but I really, I encourage them. Like, let's have these conversations. Like, let's not be scared to talk about, you know, a panic attack or depression or anxiety. Let's use these, let's use these words. Let's talk about what it is and let's get some of these skills that, you know, we really need. Like Christine was saying, it's more important as you get older to be able to recognize your feelings and emotions. And maybe if they're in too intense, this is what I need to do about it. And so I really, I really enjoyed the sixth and eighth grade um, classes once a week this year. And I do think it's something that they look forward to that. Well, some of them have told me they look forward to it every (laughs) week because it's structured differently than their other academic classes. And so I think that that's something that they enjoy. They know they're going to come to me. We're going to have some music. We're going to have some coloring sheets and we're just going to have a conversation, have a lesson. And I'm not scared to talk about whatever it is they want to talk about. And listen to them. And I think that they know you're going to listen to them. It goes a long ways. That goes a long way with our students. Um, So when our students feel a sense of belonging at school, we know that 
they're happier, they're healthier, they might be more engaged in their classroom academics, um, maybe have better academic outcomes. Um, there's so much that goes into this sense of belonging. So let's, let's move on and, and talk about some ways that, because not all of our schools have Catholic school counselors, and we're not asking Catholic school teachers who are not professionals in the area of counseling to do counseling with their students. That is not what we're asking them to do. But we do know there are things we can do in our classrooms, very appropriate for teachers to do, um, that counselors can help with. So let's switch gears a little bit. A lot of our, you know, a lot of our um, listeners are teachers and talk about some, some simple things that we can do to help our students feel a sense of belonging to their, to their classroom. So Maggie, I know when we last spoke, you talked a little bit about your greeters. Can you share yeah. that? Yes. So part of trying to create, you know, a different type of environment with my students, that's something I wanted to do that was different. I just, you know, thought, you know, how about, I choose a student because I was going to be the greeter at the door, but then I was like, you know what? I think they need to do it because in thinking about COVID and all of that, like they need to have a little bit more interaction with one another. So I introduced it as, okay, once a week, you know, I'm going to have one of you stand at the door and you're going to greet everybody. And so at first I just made them all say hello. And then I was like, okay, well that's getting kind of boring. So <laughs> I started to give them a little bit of autonomy. Okay. You have to tell me what it is you're going to say. And, you know, just very quickly. Okay. I'm going to say aloha. Okay, cool. Like, and dab. All right. That's fine. You're going to say aloha <laughs> and dab. And that's what everyone's going to do coming in the door. So and so it kind of formed into, okay, I would like you to say their name. Aloha, Christine. Aloha, Laura. And you know, you dab and then you move on. <laughs> It's just, it's kind of morphed. And now each class kind of has their own, they've kind of, I have six classes on Wednesdays. And so each class has kind of morphed into the greeting that they enjoy. And I have one class who really enjoys asking a question. So a student, they'll say, Christine, do you put your milk in your cereal before you put the cereal in or after you put the cereal in the bowl? <laughs> so they ask some pretty funny questions. Or I have some kids that just, they like to say hello in another language, or they like to high five. Um, and it just really has created just such a fun environment that I didn't expect. And it was so simple. And I, I do monitor it, not as closely as I did before, because I make sure each person, you say hello, you say hello back. But now they're all super into it. And so it's kind of become its own thing now. And it's really fun to watch. They kind of almost fight about who wants to be the greeter. And so we have to, you know, write, okay, you're going to be greeter next week. And they know who's going to be the greeter and they get pumped for it. They, they run from their break, which they love a lot, but they run so that they're oh. there to be the greeter for the class. And oh, so- wow. That it is. has really kind of become its own thing. And it's been really fun to watch as just this little idea I had, oh, we'll just see how this goes mm -hmm. to the students really taking, you know, charge of it and really being excited about it. And so that's just one classroom, you know, dynamic 
that I think is can be easily done. And, uh, and so simple too. And yes, so simple. And I think that's important. Mm-hmm. We are busy. Yes. Educators yes. are busy. <laughs> mm-hmm. We do not have to recreate the wheel. We don't have to make it difficult. We just need to be very intentional about the things we do do mm-hmm. and make sure they, they run well. And, and it, something like that can bring in a lot of fun. And not yes. to mention the fact, I feel like a lot of, I was talking to other educators about this. I feel like a lot of their students are out of practice. Even mm-hmm. in the morning, a campus that once had good morning, good morning, good morning, when everyone passed, students had a mask on for a while or they're used to wearing their AirPods. And I even see it on my walk when I walk around my neighborhood in the evening, I'll pass someone and I have to usually say good good morning or good evening first because mm-hmm. everyone's out of practice. And mm-hmm. the feeling we get from having somebody smile, wave, just mm-hmm. acknowledge us um, is warm and it's mm-hmm. inviting. And so... I, I think a simple thing like that goes a long, long way. Not to mention it's a job, right? I, you know, mm-hmm. and giving our students jobs in the classroom gives them a really good sense of purpose. Um, I, when I went back when I taught first grade, I always had student jobs. Many of us do. And yeah. I didn't realize how much, how important that was to some of my students until I had a mom once tell me early on in my teaching career, my son didn't want to be absent today because he was worried that none of the pencils would be sharpened. Who <laughs> oh. was the pencil sharpener? And, and you know, when I thought, wow, okay, that's silly. I'll sharpen them for him. But he had a sense of purpose, a sense of he needed to come to school and get those pencils sharpened. And so from that day forward, every student had a job because I, I just love the, the, the importance of that. And of course, I let them know that when they were absent, they didn't have to worry. <laughs> Please don't come to school sick. But yeah, that's important. Um, Christine, what about you? You were talking about um, when you're choosing groups in the classroom. This is a simple one, but very important, I think. I think so. You know, um, there's all, just as the counselor, I always hear from the child who, has a hard time when it's, oh, grab a partner. You know, that's not so easy necessarily for the one who feels ostracized or excluded. Um, So I just always make sure I group them. And there's a big rule, right? You can't say anything about who you're grouped with. And most of my teachers, I think they've already prepped them for that. Like you don't give a negative comment or roll your eyes. Um, That's just not, not acceptable. So I think that's just a simple little thing, but I love the greeter so much, Maggie. That is. (laughs) And I'm going to. And who knew you'd say aloha. Aloha. And what a great way to I was thinking of um, something one of our sixth grade teachers does, which is a jar of kindness. So if you are in his room and you just want to say somebody did something really cool and kind. Um, you could put the, like, I think it's a stone in there. And then you're asked, well, what happened? And then you get to tell the story. Like, you know, Mrs. So-and-so was struggling outside and I saw Joe stop and help her carry her packages. Um, so they, they just sort of shout out each other, which is marvelous, I think. I love that. I love That's that. Nice. I like that. Then I was thinking of a, a simple thing. I do with fifth grade, but I don't know why I reserve it for fifth grade. Now that I'm thinking about it, I can do it like forever. Um, 
you get, you know, I stole this idea from a conference where you give kids a bunch of beads and every of different colors and every color has a meaning. So like pink is maybe patient, white is kind, black is creative, whatever. And then you give a bead to everybody in your class, depending on what you see in them. So like, I see you as really creative and artistic and kind. And so, wow. Okay. Then I take my beads that you, everybody gave me and I put them on a string and I have a bracelet or I have something for my backpack. And those kids really liked that. It was like a string of compliments that they could look at and they knew what their, the good that their classmates saw in them. I thought, wow, why should they do that among our faculty? You know, <laughs> this is the good that we see in you. Absolutely, because we we do all have strengths and we're better at um, other some virtues more than others. So right. being able to have your, your virtues acknowledged so that then you can yeah. feel confident in continuing to share them in a positive way is, is great. I love that. Yeah. It's yeah. simple, you know? But yeah, we don't know as, I, how old am I? I don't know. I'm in my 40s. And I don't know what people think of me. You know, I have no idea. They might, I might think they think I'm nutty. But really, <laughs> who knows? I, think I don't think there's a color real. for that one, Christine. So now let's pause for a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, Maggie and Christine are going to talk about some more school-wide strategies that they use at their schools that they can share with us. Today's episode is sponsored by Frenzy, an NCEA Platinum Partner. Frenzy provides a biblically-based social, emotional, and academic development framework for K-8 classrooms that teaches skills like respect, confidence, problem-solving, communication, and critical thinking that helps students succeed in school and life. We know that relationships with educators are often a substantial asset when motivating students to re-engage with learning. Students with positive peer relationships also tend to have better attitudes about school and their academics. For more information about how Frenzy can support your school, please visit frenzy.co. All right, we're back. So let's talk about some school-wide strategies. I believe, let's let's start with mass. What do you guys do at mass time that helps um, promote belonging at your schools? We... We're slowly reintroducing Mass Buddies. We had them as a pretty well-established thing. And then, of course, COVID. So we had right. to do it with Mass Buddies. And we're slowly reestablishing um, our Mass Buddies. Right now, our eighth graders are walking over and sitting with some of the kindergartners as part of it. And then in January, the 4K typically in January, the 4K will start coming over for mass and they will be assigned a seventh or eighth grader to sit with them and to help them learn when to kneel, when to stand and to, you know, be as still and quiet as possible. But, you know, um, and it's fun to see that interaction just in mass of, you know, the seventh and eighth graders typically at mass, they kind of just sit there, they might not sing and they typically participate a little bit better when they're being an example and Absolutely. so that's what we, we, we were working on getting that back for our masses. Cause it's really a beautiful thing to watch. It is. And, and I think you guys probably have them read together too with their buddies. I know one of your schools mm-hmm. does that as well. Yes. Yeah. All and right. I, I, I'm with you, Maggie. We, 
we originally thought, well, this is going to improve the behavior, you know, of the little ones. But we had for, well, for seven years, at least for many years, they had a middle school mass on Thursdays and an elementary mass on Fridays. And once a month, we'd have an all school mass. Well, we've done away with that so that we can do our mass buddies so that they're always together. So once a week we have mass and it's an all school mass every week. And I can't believe the difference in our middle schoolers. I should. I mean, I should have seen this coming, but I didn't. Like, they were too cool for school, you know, when it was just (laughs) them. And nothing you said could make anybody sing or respond appropriately. And now that they're sitting next to a first grader, you know, they're magnificent examples of participation at Mass. So thank God we did this. I had just unexpected blessings in this. Yes, yes, there's lots of those. Well, what about lunchroom time? Um, Christine, I think your school does a, a really fun activity at lunchtime. Yeah, we need to do it more often. It's um, I think it was from a Teaching Tolerance was the program that taught this. Yes, I'm familiar you with that. You know that? that? Yeah. Yes, yes. That's where I came from, I believe. Um, it's called yes. Mix It Up at Lunch. So when all our lunch tables are numbered. So when, a say, the seventh grade class comes into lunch, um, they don't get to pick where they sit or what table they're at that day. They draw a number and they're sitting with kids they don't usually sit with. And we have conversation questions on the table for them. So it's not awkward and they're fun. You know, they're like those, would you rather live at the zoo or an amusement park? Or would you rather have to walk backwards or on your hands all day? It's stupid things, <laughs> but it's <laughs> great fun. And I think that, um, it kind of made me sad, but also glad that I had a girl who asked, like, you know, with COVID, it's been a while since we've done this. Are we ever going to do that again? It would make, you know, make her lunchtime easier. And that kind of made me sad. Nice. But then, well, at least yes. this is something we can do, you know. So, I love that idea. I love that idea. And as long as we're careful with the implementation and we have very clear expectations mm-hmm. so that we don't have the opposite effect and people feel excluded. I, I, you know, I think it's a great activity and I love that you provide the talking points or the, the conversation starters, because it can be hard for anybody Mm -hmm. to have a conversation with someone they don't normally talk with. Right. And so giving them the tools to be and feel successful in that moment is huge. Yeah. And I've asked Um, like our principal and Dean, could they come down and just sort of meander through the tables, you know, just to kind of make sure it's all on the up and up and everybody's really participating and um, sort of be in their best, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know both of you use the house Mm -hmm. um, program at your schools. And I see that many of our schools do. We have high schools that use it and other elementary schools, but um, Christine, your school's been using house for quite some time and with your middle school, I believe. Um, can you talk about that? Right. Yes. Um, in sixth grade, or if you're a new student in seventh or eighth, you get sorted into a house and they're all saint names and they meet once a week for 45 minutes. So our schedule is, you know, kind of complicated. Somebody had to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, and you may so if you're in this house, this may, the teacher in charge may not be one that you have and you're mixed in there. I'm a sixth grader, but there are seventh and eighth graders in there. And, but we all have this identity, right? And we all get to wear our purple shirt on Thursdays 
and we have challenges, athletic challenges against the other houses or service challenges against them. So it helps them have a little identity. So it's not like, oh, our middle school, that's just kids who go to, who have classes in the basement. You know, this is sort of their identity. And they work all year to accumulate points. They get points for all sorts of things. And the winning house goes to Kings Island, which is a big amusement Ooh. park. So that's their <laughs> big reward. But um, they do service together. They do house challenges together. Um, they have, have, we have advisory, advising, advisor, advisee, where they learn lessons, um, social, emotional learning. We, we take that time for them to do some of that as a house. So I think it's marvelous and it takes a lot of time and energy, but it's still marvelous. (laughs) You know, and it's an opportunity to have friends outside of your, your grade level again, you know, in a different way. And when I think that's important, you know, hearing about your guys's mass partners and buddies, so often you see students at school, they don't, you know, they have different schedules. Our middle schoolers don't hang out with kindergarten a lot of the time. But when we have these type of programs, you see the little kids pointing and waving and telling mm-hmm. their parent, that's my big buddy that or that's my friend. And, and mm-hmm. just giving them somebody else on campus other than the kids in their classroom that they feel connected and connected with is goes a long way. Um, Maggie, you guys are doing house as well? Yes, we are. So we had the house system, I think it was about five or six years ago, and it was just for our middle school, our sixth, seventh, and eighth grade as well. Um, it kind of it kind of fizzled for a while. And this year when we decided to bring it back, we've gotten a little bit smaller over the last five or six years. And so we decided to do it for the whole school. And our purpose is just to create um, a more connected community, like you were saying, getting those older kids and those younger kids to have a little bit more interaction, but also with that sense of belonging. I belong to this house with, you know, this seventh grader who I think is so cool. And so we are kind of starting out slow. We've had, a, we had our big sorting of the entire school and competition back in September, it was all on our field day. And so it was hungry, hungry hippos. And so we're actually this Thursday, we're going to have a house color day so they can dress all in their house Mm -hmm. colors. And we're going to have a competition. And this time it's going to be first through fourth grade, we'll get to help compete. Last time it was fifth through eighth grade. And so now the big kids get to cheer for the little kids And so I'm really excited. The kids are getting t-shirts they don't know about yet. And so with their house name on it. And so, yeah, they're very excited and it's, it's neat too. We haven't quite incorporated it yet, but all the houses are names of places that are relevant to the life of St. Francis of Assisi. So we're going to, we're going to dive into that just a little bit more, but it is a neat kind of component to our house system that they'll get to learn about that region or area that, and why it was important in St. Francis's life. So the kids are excited. We just voted for some house leadership positions. And so the leaders will get to kind of step up and do some things. So we're just, we're just kind of getting our feet wet with it. But now that I, I've met Christine and I know that they do, (laughs) I feel like I have someone that I can, go to for some suggestions or ideas now, which I'm thankful for the collaboration, but yeah, it's so far, it's really positive. The kids are so excited. They talk about it. 
we had an, um, a lower school teacher create coloring sheets for their houses. So they'll color them and they're hanging up outside their classroom. And so everyone is just very excited and just to create that sense of community that connectedness that we've been missing the last couple of years. I know that clubs and service also provide opportunities for our students, not only to feel connected with others, but we, you know, finding, especially with our older students, that Mm -hmm. it's a, it service is, it's a time where they're focusing outside of their Mm -hmm. own drama and their own teenage worries and really helps them find a a sense of self-worth, a sense of belonging. And sometimes I find that it's a time to think outside yourself and focus on others, which can be really helpful for for some of our students. Um, I know though, Christine, last time I was talking to you, um, you had to go because you had little kids arriving with books for, were they reading with grandparents? Tell us about that. Oh, that's such a sweet little thing. I can take no credit for this. It was a, a group, a senior citizens group reached out to the church, to the cathedral and said they had this idea. And so it came to me where this group um, trained elderly volunteers who, you know, were feeling a little isolated. It was still, we were a little bit more locked down. So it's been, yeah, it started last fall, a year ago. Um, They trained them to use Zoom and they now read Wednesday afternoons with third graders um, together. So that's great. Oh my gosh. I could not have imagined when they proposed this, I thought this is going to be a disaster. (laughs) I'm in sure but it's been so great and like I I've you know if anybody wants to do this I have like 10,000 ways that I did it wrong but I think now we've got it right just (laughs) little things so I can help you if you want to do this um like one every week we do this I keep one child in my office to read because I have to like space them out throughout the building so the sound is okay and it is the most delightful thing. I like getting nothing done. I'm just listening to them. <laughs> because so not just reading. So awesome. Right? They're like reading, but then, you know, the grandmotherly lady will stop and say, you know, I remember when my daddy came back from the war, you know. And, oh, how lovely. Oh, wow. This is crazy. And then, and I'm like amazed at how polite our students are. And, and they, they're learning new words and learning about history. Because we're doing the Who Was series is what they said would be easy for everybody to get their hands on. So it's just been wonderful and I can't recommend it enough. It's, I wouldn't even call it service. It, it's just delightful. And the kids get so excited. And if they're, well, they sounded excited. Oh, they yes. were, weren't they? <laughs> they're precious. As so they were coming sweet. in. Yes. Yes. Exciting. And just another way to connect. And, and I, I betcha that's just as meaningful for the adults as it is for the students. You know, you'd almost wonder who gets more out of it. That's beautiful. Right. And, you know, they were first looking at, okay, this, they needed to do it with like more at-risk students, which I think would be great. Um, But then I, I, my, I have um, a lot of, I know people in the public school, it's, it's fairly wealthy, but it's a lot of international. So those students, don't have grandparents locally, like hard, hardly any of them. Um, you know, they have to travel to India or China to see their grandparents. So I said, well, I mean, 
there's that that need too, you know, to have just a connection with elderly. And Absolutely. so they jumped on that. So they use that school as well so that children have a grandparent experience. Absolutely. That's great. All right. You know, I, I feel like we could talk forever, but we're going to move on to our extra credit <laughs> questions. Um, let's start with you, Maggie. Um, a favorite childhood teacher and tell us why. Well, it's hard. It's it's truly hard to pick one. I just I have one teacher from high school. Her name is Miss Hermsdorfer. And it was she was truly the first teacher that, you know, I've had a lot of teachers that pushed me really hard, but she pushed me really hard. <laughs> and I took AP US history from her as a sophomore. And it was really hard. And I it was the first time that I had like really struggled really hard with not being super successful at something. And she just still pushed me hard. She didn't let up, but she just was one of those teachers that you wanted to work really hard for, even though I was not doing a good (laughs) job, you know, it's just a really tough subject for me, but uh, she made me want to work so hard for her because of how much she cared and how much that she just, she knew that that wasn't my best. And so she kept pushing me to be my best. And I specifically remember in a paper that she marked, I got, I was, I forget what we were writing about. And she kind of marked out my response. And she said, you know, you can't just say this, you need to go deeper. Like why, why, why you have to think like, you've got to go deeper, deeper, deeper into this response. and it's like a light bulb went off and clicked. I was like, you're right. Like, I'm not like, I'm not pushing myself hard enough as a student. And so she just, she cared so much about all of us and she would stay after school and help us. And I loved the conversations that we had. And so she just really helped kind of set that light bulb off in my academic self about how far I could push myself. I didn't just, Oh, I got the a cool, whatever, but Mm -hmm. how far can I push myself and how good can I get at a subject that I am not very good at? (laughs) So that's nice. That's very nice. Um, Maggie, why do you do what you do? I think, you know, a lot of reasons, but I think it's important. Like we've been saying that, children have somebody to go to during the school day that they know is going to be there for them and listen to them. And I just think it's so crucial, especially in today's world to just know that you have someone to go to. And if you're having these, I call them your big feelings, you know, where to go with those, what to do. And I also call what I do, you know, I'm planting seeds. I might not Mm -hmm. see I might not see, you know, the fruits of any of my labor mm-hmm. until years later. You know, I'm just kind of at a point eight years in where I'm having some students graduate high school and come back and thank me. And it's it's truly humbling because that is why I do what I do. You know, I plant seeds, but I might not see, you might not ever see them grow. That's but true. the hope is that, you know, they do grow one day and they get watered and taken care of along the way. And so I just... I love to see those aha moments from students, even if it's years later. So I just, you know, it shows that what we do matters and showing up and listening and being present for people is just truly what's important. Absolutely. So Christine, what is something you hope your students remember about you as a counselor? 
I hope they remember that I always want that I saw good in them, even when they weren't acting good. You know, <laughs> I thought that I guess the counseling world, the the psychologists call it unconditional positive regard, but it's really, I mean, it's the goodness in each of us that God made yes. us good, and we don't always do good things, but but you're still good in there, even when you're in seventh grade. <laughs> and you're not I love it. <laughs> um, what is your favorite quote? I have a quote here. It's Mother Teresa's and it's above my desk and I should read it a thousand times a day. It says, let no one ever come to you without leaving better and happier. Be the living expression of God's kindness, kindness in your face, kindness in your eyes and kindness in your smile. I don't always achieve that, obviously, but it's a good goal. It's Definitely. Goal, right. Any shout outs today? I definitely want to shout out my school, St. Francis of Assisi Timberwolves, and my husband, Andrew, and my kid, Ty. Thank you. What about you, Christine? Yeah, shout out to Christ the King for letting me do this job that I love and that challenges me every day, and all our wonderful teachers and and staff that just make it all happen every day. Thank you, Maggie and Christine. Thank you so much. What a joy to talk with you all. It's been such a delight speaking with both of you. Um, You know, listeners, if you happen to be driving through the South, you you all (laughs) might want to make it a road trip and add a couple stops. I think that Christine and Maggie would love to see you in Lexington and Memphis, or there's Nashville right in between. We could meet there. Um, Thank you to our NCA podcast listeners. Don't be... Don't forget the most valuable resource we have is each other. Mm -hmm. Have we visited your diocese yet? Not to be forward, but we would love an invite. Contact me, Laura MacDonald at NCEA. We could be visiting your diocese and introducing you as our next podcast guest. Thank you very much. 